Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hello, friends. Jack, Flight School O'Brien here, uh, also known as Jack. Still can touch Ned if I get a running start and haven't eaten heavy breakfast, O'Brien. Uh, both nicknames that I go by inviting you to check out miles and Jack got mad boosties for a weekly basketball conversation with me and my co-host from the daily zeitgeist miles gray. We are joined by comedians, writers, podcasters, and fellow NBA fans. As we discuss the latest news and events from around the league, check it out. Miles and Jack got mad boosties brought to you by the first ever Toyota grand Highlander. This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we've got three hours of fun coming up as we've got a lot of great football to dive into because. Week three NFL lines are starting to get fortified, so that means that we've got to bring on our NFL panel. In about 15 minutes, Ben Brown, he does great work over at Pro Football Focus. He is going to be joining me along with Matt Landis. He does a great job at the Hammer HQ and does the Props and Hops podcast. We're going to ask them about their thoughts from week two, turn it forward, make it into some week three bets that they're looking at. Typically, we dive into a little bit of teaser action as well, some of those games that are very tumultuous in regards to those teasers. And hopefully teasers do a little bit better this week than last week. If you took some of the traditional teaser games, well, as we know with those dramatic comebacks, the teams that were underdogs winning outright wound up busting up quite a few of those. But those two gentlemen, they always do great work. They're going to be joining me in our number one. Our number two, Jason Weingarten. He does a great job with our podcast here at the network, The Wide World of Weingarten. And I believe that he dropped a new episode today. He's going to be joining me. He does a great job, much like myself, of taking a look at the overnight numbers when it comes to the great sport of baseball. And on top of that, does a great job in terms of the NFL futures market. I'm going to be taking a look at what he's dove into in terms of that NFL futures market, if he's got anything in terms of baseball as well. And 
I'm going to take a look at some of Tuesday's games. And then in our number three, Reem Palmer. He does a great job at the ringer. He's going to be joining me in studio. I know that he has been very much invested in the NFC East, which we're going to be talking about here in a minute. I'm going to be asking about his thoughts in that division in general because we saw the Dallas Cowboys get a rush with Cooper Rush getting the win. We saw the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. They get it done against the Minnesota Vikings. So we've got a great three hours for you. A lot of NFL and a lot of MLB tonight because we've also got a big slate of games in terms of Major League Baseball. And we're a little over two weeks away from the postseason. And the game that I'm going to be writing up for DK Nation, by the way, does have some big playoff implications. So a little bit of a teaser there. That is going to be coming up in our number two. So that ties up all the loose ends and that gets us rolling as we did see it with Monday Night Football. You saw one team that we all thought going into the season was going to be rock solid, and they proved that against the Tennessee Titans. Anyone that took the Tennessee Titans with the points, and I raised my hand. I'm one of the buffoons that wound up doing so. Well, that was not great. 41-7, to and goes to show how important the closing number was in terms of the total in this one because it opened up at 51. That came down very quickly, but throughout much of the week, you were finding this more around 48, 48 and a half before kickoff here this afternoon. Dives to 47 and a half and go figure. Game lands 48. These guys know what the heck they are doing. So grabbed it early on the under. You were able to get there. If you took that late 47 to 47 and a half, you were able to get there on the over. So a good result for the players. And we like to see that on this show. If you uh, took the total in Vikings versus Philadelphia Eagles, it didn't matter if you got this on last Tuesday, last Wednesday, tonight. Saturday, Sunday, it was a dead under as the Philadelphia Eagles get it done by a count of 24 to 7. And that leads us into what to talk about here in segment number one. When a trend is real and when a trend is maybe something that you toss to the side a little bit. Because something that I heard a lot of buzz about coming into this game. And I did think that it was something very real. Because we were all talking about the Minnesota Vikings. How good they looked in week number one against the Green Bay Packers, but what the real test was, can Kirk Cousins get it done in prime time? Going into this game in Thursday Night Football, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, so those three prime time sort of slots, Kirk Cousins in his last 27 games had been 9-18 and straight up, and well, it wasn't so terrific. I know that Rob Pizzolo does great work here, here in the uh, network in general, or in the spear, I should say. He does amazing work just in terms of the sports betting landscape. He had one of the best tweets of the night in that the most targeted person from the in the Minnesota Vikings game by Kirk Cousins, that would be Darius Slay, and it was so true. Uh, that guy probably should have had like four or five interceptions in this game, but for the Minnesota Vikings, very much a bad showing. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, a rise up and something that you want to be taking a look at as well. These teams that they build momentum from the previous season, are they able to turn it forward? And throughout all sports, that is one of the toughest things to gauge, whether it be college basketball, something that I'm working on right now, college basketball season, less than 60 days away. So very much looking forward to that. You've got a team in North Carolina that they were righted off by many people. They make the national championship game. Many people are going to have them number one, including yours truly, for the upcoming college basketball season. That'll certainly be changing as we get more data points, but we shall see what happens there. But it's a good example with the Philadelphia Eagles as well, a team that, let's call it what it is, 
Not necessarily a great start to the season last year. They come up very strong in the second half of the campaign. They make the playoffs, lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they were able to go on a nice run in which I believe that they won four out of their last five games before that Dallas Cowboys loss, and then they go to the postseason, and then from there, they are unable to get it done against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but you could see some good flashes from this bunch. Now they've been able to turn it forward, make a nice 2-0 start to the season, and I do think that that is always something to stick some sock in, and I do think that it is very important to look at the context of some of these late runs as well. With the Philadelphia Eagles, for example, yeah, it came against lesser competition when they went 4-1. They beat the Commanders twice, they beat the New York Giants, they beat the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 more than what can be said for the Cleveland Browns, but not the stiffest of competition, but prior to that, they went on the road against the Denver Broncos last season. They were able to go down the line of games where they looked halfway decent. A lot of their losses during the season last year, they were closer losses as they went on throughout the campaign, and you could see that the team was starting to gel together. You take a sport like baseball, for example. Many of people, including myself, thought that after their nice second half of the season, the Detroit Tigers they were going to take the next step forward. They're going to be one of those teams that maybe is not going to make the postseason, but they can finish above 500 after they had a tough start to the 2021 season. Post-All-Star break, they have a winning record after that. Now, unforeseen to many of us, out of their beginning of the season, opening day, starting five in terms of their starting pitchers, maybe without four of those guys for much of the season, which... It always is a hindsight is 2020 sort of ordeal, but I do think that it is so important to gauge. And right now we've got teams that we were taking a look at coming into the season, and some have been able to rise up, and some they have been sputtering a little bit. The Philadelphia Eagles, they clearly have been one of those teams that took the next step forward. The Miami Dolphins, they are now 2-0, and had a coaching change along the way, and Mike McDaniel has been able to do a solid job. And also keep in mind, in terms of teams that came on towards the second half of the season last year, I think that the Miami Dolphins were the only team in NFL history to have both a six-game winning streak and a six-game losing streak in the same season. Once again, much like it happened with the Philadelphia Eagles, schedule softened off a, a little bit towards the second half of the season. And then you've got other teams that were very, shall we say, buzzworthy that may have flopped. The Indianapolis Colts, for example, they bring in Matt Ryan. And right now, 0-1-1. Considering the tie came against the Houston Texans, you deserve, you were thinking that it was going to be a little bit better for them. The Las Vegas Raiders, they're currently 0-2 because they, well, shall we say, peed all over their foot towards the back half of that game against the Arizona Cardinals. That was not too terrific. Team I was very bullish on, the New Orleans Saints, currently 1-1, jury's out situation. I do think that with a lot of these teams, after two weeks, because we always talk about the overreactions after one game. I think that there are a lot of overreactions after just two games as well. Now, the age-old stat of about four-fifths of teams that begin 0-2, they miss a postseason, but I don't think that every 0-2 is created equally. For example, the Las Vegas Raiders. They're a team that is currently 0-2. Certainly, they have put themselves behind the eight ball a little bit with their loss against the Arizona Cardinals, but if they take care of business, Within that division, they're going to be in fine shape. The Cincinnati Bengals, they're out in an AFC North that I still like the Baltimore Ravens to do good things and win that division. But you know what? The Cleveland Browns, they show that they're certainly willing to lose games. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 
They're tied atop that division right now in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense with our good friend Mitchell Trubisky running it. Not necessarily looking so great. Meanwhile, another team that is 0-2 that is not necessarily looking so terrific, the Atlanta Falcons. I think that it's very fair to say that the Las Vegas Raiders right now have a better chance to be able to make the playoffs than the Atlanta Falcons. They Falcons seem that they were plucky in their two losses. They've lost their two games by fewer than seven points. So they've been able to do a solid job covering spreads, but I think that we would all be in agreement. The Atlanta Falcons, they do not have the firepower that the Las Vegas Raiders do with bringing in Devontae Adams. And I think that that's just so crucial this time of year because we always talk about those re- overreactions. I think that we still have some of those right now. We're seeing that in some of these opening numbers as well, like with the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills game that is going to be coming up for week three. Look at line. We were having Femi Obabefe talk about that quite a bit. A lot of places they have that at four to four and a half. And you saw that relisted at DraftKings as a six point line now. So we have seen that jump up quite dramatically. We saw that last week as well because you did have more of the overreactions in that like Bengals versus Dallas Cowboys game. Dak Prescott, it reveals, is going to be out for quite a while and everyone is throwing up their hands saying that the season is over for the Dallas Cowboys. They proved that it's not quite over after one week. Cooper Rush able to get it done there. So I do think that it is going to be interesting to see how some of these numbers come out over the next 24 or so hours with some of these teams that they are certainly going to be in. I'm not going to call it must win because week three is a little bit too early to call it a must win, but really want to have it games or not. And that's a good discussion to have with our good friends, Matt Landis over at the props and ops podcast and Ben Brown. He does amazing work with pro football focus. They join me every Tuesday for a nice little NFL round round table chat. And we're going to have that next here on the Greg Peterson experience on VEASAN, the sports bank network. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. 
John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my dance, (laughs) There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Start your football season off on the right foot by subscribing to VSIN Pro. Get full access to everything that we do, including our daily picks at a glance, which recaps the top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests. 24 7 video season prep, including our weekly college and pro football matchup guides, covering every single game all season long. Pro tools like our exclusive betting splits and pro tips, which are updated every hour with actionable insights to up your sports betting game. Sign up for our discounted sport or football special and Get VSIM Pro access to everything that we do now through the Super Bowl for just $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to vsim.com, sign up, subscribe for all of your options, and become a part of the Sports Bank Network, guys. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIM, the Sports Bank Network. Great to be joined by our two guests as we've got Matt Landis, does a great job over at the Hammer HQ, and the Props and Ops Podcast, and Ben Brown. He does terrific work over at Pro Football Focus, and gentlemen, it is great to have you both aboard. And before we dive into anything for week three, before we dive into this team stinks and this team is awesome, I just want to give the floor to you guys, and I'll start with you, Matt. What was the most insane thing that you saw from what was a wild and crazy week two? Because I think that we came on here and we were just hoping that week two could be anywhere near what week one was, and we can laugh in the face of that because it was incredible. What was the biggest thing that stood out to you from week two? You know, when you ask about the most insane thing, there are so many options oh, to yeah. choose from <laughs> between the Browns blowing it against the Jets, the Dolphins come back in Baltimore, and then in the late window, whatever we want to call that at Allegiant Stadium with the Cardinals' wild comeback. But I think if I'm to distill it down to one big takeaway, I'm reminded about the run of teasers that I experienced last November. I went about 0 for November with my teaser bets last season, still returned more than 8% on the season, primarily using the Wong teaser model, crossing through those key numbers of 3 and 7, not laying more than minus 120. And even though if the math long-term is in our favor, it does not mean that we're immune to some crazy runs. I mean, ask anybody like myself, who had Washington plus eight and a half, and Rod Rivera doesn't know when he should just kick the extra point or when he should go for two. They tried the PAT and they miss it. 
It seems like every teaser I've played so far this season has come up just short one way or another. And I think that at this point, two weeks in, it's important to try to grasp as a better the value of tenacity versus insanity, you know, sticking to a sound process. And I think with teasers, there's plenty of time to still stick to it, even if they haven't been kind to a lot of us through the first couple of weeks. And with some other bet types, there's also insanity doing the same thing repeatedly, expecting different results. And pretty soon with some of these teams, I think we're going to get to that point where the rubber meets the road. I think that that's such a good point that you bring up. And I love that definition of insanity. My father taught me that very at a very young age, and it has stuck with me. And Ben, I want to turn it over to you as well. Just from week two, what you saw in general, what really stood out to you in a week in which, well, there were a lot of things that stood out. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, it was definitely a you know cr- pretty crazy wild week. Obviously, really good for the NFL product in general. I would say, would say um, you know with two weeks worth of data, I do think that we can kind of start to distill who are gonna be not necessarily like the really good or really bad teams, but I do think there's a couple couple teams uh, within groups that people thought maybe could be okay, like the Indianapolis Colts or Carolina Panthers. I think those sorts of teams that have just not really shown much life whatsoever. Uh, they can pre pretty easy fades, I would say, coming up here over the next few weeks until they maybe do show some signs of life. I think that's probably you know my main takeaway is the teams that teams that uh, look really bad to start uh, aren't necessarily going to probably hit the ground running or do something within any particular week until they kind of get to that bye week. So uh, those are the types of teams teams that I'm actively looking to fade as we move into you know weeks three, four, and five of the NFL season. And I think that that's no, interesting Greg, because we- it's okay. Please do come in. Yeah. Quick follow up to Ben before we move on, just because I've got this in mind. Sorry to cut you off, but I would hate to forget it when we've got Ben here with us. You mentioned Carolina, an easy team to fade perhaps over the next couple of weeks, Ben. And I totally get it. On one hand, they're just simply not a great team, and the 0 2 start would reflect that. On the other hand, they're a 58 yard field goal away from winning week one. Plenty of reason to think that they could have come out the other side against the Giants. So I feel like some teams might be a misleading 0 2 versus the Giants being maybe a misleading 2 0. Um, so with Carolina, if everybody's down on them moving forward, where might you find some value on that from a betting standpoint? I think that that is something to dive into. And I think that on top of that, the Cincinnati Bengals are a team that is so fascinating as well, because they're another team that's 0-2. That first game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you can make the case that Joe Burrow probably made a few passes that he should not have. It was a very strange week. And then the showing that they had against the Dallas Cowboys picked it up in the second half, but they put themselves a little bit too far behind the eight ball as well. And I'll start with you on this one, Ben, because I know that you were mentioning there are a couple 0-2 teams they want to be taking a look at, and you're looking to fade. And I know that there are quite a few people that were down on the Bengals to start with this season, but they seem to be one of the most strange teams to grasp because they make the Super Bowl last season. They come out 0-2 this year in a year in which... You figured they would be at least 1-1 one one at this point when Dak Prescott goes down. You figure that that should be a win for them, and now two times as at least a six-point favorite may have fallen. You know, uh, I would have said that I was probably higher than, you know, the betting market market heading into the season on the Cincinnati Bengals. That's clearly, you know, a miss by me through the first two weeks of the season. I do think uh, holding on to your priors in certain situations, especially early on, uh, does make a lot of sense, right? So I think if you like a team like the Cincinnati Bengals and you still think Joe Burrow is, 
this accurate quarterback that can make plays downfield, have a field, have a really good receiving unit. Maybe their offensive line with three, you know, four uh, new starters hasn't necessarily gelled yet. Uh, Joe Burrow definitely doesn't look comfortable behind what what is looking like a little bit more of a ragtag offensive line than what people even projected. Uh, I still think that you kind of hold on to your idea of what they might actually become. And I do think, you know, you know, that works on the flip side as well. Like, you know, Matt talked about before he, you know, kind of buys into the Carolina Panthers. I'm assuming that his prior on them heading into the season was they were a team that could potentially com- compete with the NFC South. Now, that's not. Uh, you know, where my standing was in the preseason, I did think there was, uh, you know, quite a bit of overvaluation with Baker Mayfield coming into the fold. I did think that, and, you know, Matt Rule, uh, probably on the hottest of hot seats from a coaching perspective. So not a team that I was looking at. And I do think that you can kind of look at it, uh, you know, on two sides of the sides of the coin, glass half full, glass half empty type situations with some of these teams that have definitely underachieved. And I do think that going back to where you stood on them in the preseason is probably how you're going to evaluate, evaluate them, you know, over the next three to four weeks of the NFL season. And it's so interesting because with taking a look at teams that are 0-2, it's very easy to say that these are do-or-die games are going to be coming up because we know the track record of teams that go 0-2 to start the season and then beyond that 0-3 to begin the season. But let's take a look at a team that, in my opinion, has just not look good at all, despite the fact that they don't fit into that 0-2 sort of bucket, and that is the Denver Broncos. And I'll pose this one to you, Matt. This might be the worst coach team I've ever seen. This is not good, to say the least, from our good friend Nathaniel Hackett. The 64-yard field goal was not great. The play calling in general in Week 2, not great. I don't think I'm saying anything outlandish here, but how do you evaluate the Denver Broncos? Because they've got a Super Bowl-winning quarterback in Russell Wilson. They've got good weapons. They've got a solid defense. I feel like the biggest albatross right now is a man on the sidelines. Yeah, I wanted to give him a bit of a mulligan after week one. We talked about it during this roundtable right after that game ended. And to Hackett's credit, the next day he seemed to come out and say he got it wrong. It seemed like he was open-minded, maybe going to learn from that experience. But yesterday, it certainly didn't look like he learned a whole lot from week one, seemingly getting plays in late, a lot of chaos receivers breaking the huddle going the wrong way. And the Broncos were at home to Houston. This was not a hostile environment. Yet for the second week in a row, they failed to score 17 points. And again, some fluky things have happened to keep them to 16 points each of the first two weeks. But when you're playing Seattle or at home to Houston, that's pretty alarming when you've just traded for Russell Wilson and have all those other weapons. And now looking forward, Greg, the Broncos, some injury concerns with Jerry Judy at wide receiver, an already thin wide receiver core after an offseason injury to one of their key rotation players, as well as on the other side of the ball with Patrick Sertain now dealing with an injury. So if this is what we saw out of the Broncos, closer to full strength against softer opposition, Russell Wilson can you know prove a lot of people wrong. He's done that at various points in his career. Maybe Hackett can show some progress. But I can't fault anybody for thinking that Hackett right now might be biting off more than he could chew as a head coach. You know, some people are just cut out to be really good coordinators, and I think that's perfectly fine. Way too soon, I think, to pull the plug on Hackett. But for a two-game sample size, it's about as alarming as it gets. Yep, and Matt, we've got about 45 seconds. How much do you feel like you can realistically upgrade or downgrade a coach? And we can continue this on the other side as well, but... How much do you think you could upgrade slash downgrade a team due to their coach? Because I feel like with the Broncos, you could probably go to the max in this ordeal. Yeah, I think that Ben might have a good answer for this on the other side when it comes to quantifying what coaches can mean. I tend not to track that too closely. But from a qualitative standpoint, again, trying to be open-minded. If coaches can learn from their mistakes and show improvement, I want to be 
very open to that. But with Hackett now, it's over too. And, you know, with some bigger tests on deck than the Seahawks and the Texans, I think it's going to be very telling, again, more from a subjective standpoint. Can he just clean things up a little bit and put a very talented roster in a better spot to succeed? And we are going to pose that question. How much can you upgrade slash downgrade a coach to Ben Brown, who does great work at Pro Football Focus on the other side here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Great Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher and simpler way to enjoy nicotine that has helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering a smoke free and spit free satisfaction. Zen understands that there isn't one right time to make change. Everyone is on their own journey, everyone's timeline, just a tad bit different. But when you feel like you're ready to make that first step forward towards change, Zen is going to be there for you. Check out Zen Nicotine Pouches at Zen.com. That is ZYN.com. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine. It is an addictive chemical. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Esports Bank Network, being rejoined by Matt Landis. Does a great job over at the Hammer HQ. Along with that, does a great job with the Props and Ops podcast. And Ben Brown does amazing work over at Pro Football Focus, and we're picking up where we were talking the last segment, and I will pose this for you, Ben. When it comes to just gauging coaching in general in the NFL, how much can you upgrade slash downgrade a team for their coaching? Because we're going back to the conversation that we had with Nathaniel Hackett, and, well, hasn't been going great for the Broncos the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, I definitely think there is, you know, this certain, you know, coaching type tax situation. I do think that, you know, if you were betting on New England Patriots, especially, especially in the futures markets for the past five years, there's definitely been an upgrade based on Bill Belichick kind of being in that building, right? And we've seen it with other guys. I do think you see it somewhat, you know, with the San Francisco 49ers as well. Kyle Shanahan kind of being, you know, this uh, quote unquote offensive scheme genius type situation player or coach, I guess. And I do think that it definitely plays into account. And I do think that the question becomes, you know, how far ahead are you than the betting market in those sorts of evaluations, right? Like, can you still, uh, you know, evaluate Kyle Shanahan and boost him up even more than what the betting market is? And I do think that's kind of a trade-off a little bit, but I do think Nathaniel Hackett's kind of the, uh, you know, perfect test case or perfect scenario to maybe, uh, you know, actively fade a team based on a coaching situation before the market kind of catches up to just how poorly he's actually been. So uh, I definitely think you can take it into account from a handicapping perspective. There's definitely a lot of ways that you can see, you know, the improvement in play calling that certain coaches give and the benefit that that actually has to their team. And then the fourth down decision-making, the field goal decision-making and everything else definitely adds value to that team. So I definitely think it's something that, uh, you know, we take into account at PFF as far as like our model modeling and handicapping, uh, you know, models that we put out and publish for the public. And I do think that, you know, a lot of, you know, betters and everybody else are trying to do some sort of synopsis for how impactful that coaching is going to be in any given week, I would say. And I feel like it's just one of the toughest things to gauge, regardless of sport, whether it be the NFL, college football, college basketball, MLB, in terms of managers, the list goes on and on. In my opinion, always one of the toughest things to quantify because you can't wind up putting into a spreadsheet a lot of these stats much like you can in terms of like yards gain per play list goes on and on so it always is yeah. a unique circumstance and 
Matt, I know that you've got a different coach that you want to talk about as well because it's not necessarily what they are doing, but it's rather what they're not doing, unlike last year with the Chargers. So I want you to voice what you've been seeing with Brandon Saley this season. Exactly. You know, Ben just gave an answer talking about guys like Belichick or even Shanahan these days, some coaches where we can pretty well anticipate what we're going to get from them week to week. Brandon Staley has been a surprise each of the first two weeks of the season, much more gun shy, seemingly, than he was his first season as the Chargers head coach in 2021. Week one, I found it a bit odd. There was a fourth and one in the middle of the game at midfield for the Chargers and Staley punted. And while it was surprising, you're playing the Raiders at home. They were in a decent spot already in that game. So no big deal. But week two on the road in Kansas City, middle of the game, pretty neutral game state. The Chargers punted on fourth and two from the Chiefs 47. So that really raised an eyebrow. And the very next drive, another fourth and two on the Chiefs 48. Once again, they punted when 10 out of 10 times last year, it seems like the 2021 version of Staley would go for it. And even if he wanted to punt for whatever reason, I still don't understand why you don't at least try to draw the defense offside, maybe line up and pretend like you're going to go for it. Daniel Popper, the Chargers beat writer for The Athletic, wrote a good piece recently about how Justin Herbert is working on weaponizing his cadence at the line of scrimmage, taking a page out of Aaron Rodgers' playbook, trying to get better at drawing defenses offside. That sounds like a perfect opportunity to work on something like that in a big situation, in a real game. Worst case, take a delay of game or maybe the O-line jumps and you get a false start. Fine, you're going to punt anyway. No harm done. After the game, Staley explained his rationale as trusting his defense and wanting to pin the Chiefs deep. And guys, if either of you have a thought, please push back on me on this. Whenever I hear a coach talk about trusting his defense, to me, that would seem to encourage going for it on those fourth and shorts around midfield. Because if you really trust your defense, Guess what? If you don't convert, you trust your guys to get a stop or worst case, maybe allow a field goal. So especially if you're going on the road against a better opponent, you need to embrace variance on those key downs. I just don't understand why Staley wasn't doing that week two opener in Kansas City. I agree with you. I do think that if you trust your defense, like you were talking about a little bit earlier, you would be going for it. And let's just take a look at a team that has been very much excelling this year in the AFC in the Buffalo Bills, they went six quarters without punting to begin the season. Actually, it might have been seven quarters without punting to begin the season. So that's clearly trusting in the defense for the Bills. No doubt quite a bit of it is the offense being solid as well. But I feel the same way as Matt does on this one, Ben. I'm not sure where you stand on it, but I do think that it's been a little bit interesting that Staley has been a little bit more tame. Honestly, I do think that When it's all said and done, you don't want him going for it on like fourth and two, fourth and three within his own 25-yard line, but it has been a little bit of a revelation, and if you do trust your defense, typically you would go for it a little bit more than not. Yeah, I definitely think both of you guys hit the nail on the head, and it is, you know, kind of interesting that you brought up, you know, the Buffalo Bills uh, tonight specifically. We did see them, you know, kind of try to do what Matt suggested, right? Go up to the line on fourth down. Maybe they weren't necessarily going to go for it, but they were at least going to act like it. And I do think, you know, uh, towards the goal line, they actually did get um, they did get the jump off sides that they were looking for. Unfortunately, Sean McDermott called the timeout it sounded like right before that. But they actually did that multiple times tonight. And I do think that is kind of, you know, pressing the issue or pressing the edge that you can have. And you don't necessarily even have to go for it on fourth down, but you might get that free five yards anyway. So 
actually maximizing that and doing it, I do think is, you know, by far the way that a coach can actually separate uh, themselves from the pack in so many ways. And we are seeing, you know, guys like Matt, Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, who went for it twice on his own, you know, before his own 50 yard line on fourth down early on in that game in Baltimore uh, and did get it both times. That was, you know, not necessarily the reason why they came back and won, but I do think, you know, constantly trying to put your players in the best position to win and maximizing their capabilities is the sign of a good coach. And I do think that, you know, going back to it, Brandon Steely is not doing that whatsoever. I do think he did it really well in 2021. I'm not quite sure what exactly changed. I do think that, you know, the question that maybe the analytics community had last year was, is, is Brandon Staley sharp or is he actually just being aggressive? And it seems like now, you know, the answer is he was just being overly aggressive and now he's trying to correct that. And I do think that that's even a bigger detriment to the Chargers than him actually being, you know, overly aggressive in a number of those situations. So uh, I think that, you know, the, the Chargers have a lot of work to do. Hopefully Justin Herbert's back this week, but uh, they, you know, they need Staley, I think, to push all the right buttons to actually compete AFC is all I would say. And I am so glad that you brought up Mike McDaniel as well, because with the Miami Dolphins, we've seen their line move at DraftKings against the Buffalo Bills for those that have a bit of a look at. This was between four and four and a half prior to Monday Night Football. Now we're seeing at DraftKings, the Miami Dolphins be a six-point home underdog with minus 115 juice if you're looking to lay the six with the Buffalo Bills in this circumstance. And Matt, I'll pose this one to you. How do you view this game as of right now? Because... At six, I feel a little bit unsure of it as of right now because the Miami Dolphins, they seem to be that upcoming team. The Buffalo Bills, they seem to want to take that Ric Flair mentality in order to be the champ in the division. You've got to beat the champ, and I think that this is going to be a great matchup, but I do think that this line might be moving just a little bit too far. Yeah, I'll say one thing with look-aheads. I've recently been converted over, thanks to Las Vegas Chris and Rob Pizzola, who I know you mentioned off the top of the show, Greg. Look-ahead lines tend to have pretty small limits, not widely available, so I've tried to not anchor too much to them. But I do think very loosely, very directionally, they can be a little bit informative. So yes, we've seen a big adjustment, and the Bills are a team that I want you know, no rush to step in front of. They could be a runaway freight train as they've shown through two weeks. And if you had told me about the Dolphins' performance to, you know, start the first three quarters of their week two game, I would have been ready to fade Tua in a hurry against Buffalo. But Tua might have started to turn a corner in that fourth quarter. Obviously, the speed he's got at wide receiver with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle uh, really fueled that comeback. So I was impressed, obviously, by Miami's massive comeback in Baltimore. Overall, I feel like if these are two buy-on teams, I might just want to sit back and watch and try to learn what I can from a very compelling matchup in week three. And Ben, we've got about 30 seconds. Any thoughts on the way that the Bills and Dolphins line has been moving? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 the Bills are a house right now, right? So I know I bet a lot of like crazy unders and stuff like that, but like wherever this game lands at, uh, I think you maybe just want to take the over and enjoy the matchup. It's going to be uh, hopefully an offensive show. I don't blame you there. Going into Monday Night Football, 70% of games this season had been going under in the NFL. I do think that that might wind up changing, but with that said, something that doesn't change, the fact that Ben Brown and Matt Landis always lend tremendous insights. A big thanks to them for joining me here on the Greg Peterson Experience. And coming up next, let's take a look at a little baseball for Tuesday here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Kick off the football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for every line, boost, and special. You've got the parlay insurance and touchdown insurances offered every Sunday by Bet Rivers all season long. Build a parlay. Have at least four legs, and if it loses, you get your stake back as a free bet of up to $25. Wager on any player to score the first touchdown on Sunday Night Football and get your money back as a free bet if they score at any time. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app as it's a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, and a big thanks once again 
to Matt Landis, who does a great job over at the Hammer HQ and the Props and Ops podcast. And Ben Brown does amazing work at Pro Football Focus. They join me for a nice round table the last two segments. And we're going to be talking a lot of NFL, especially in our number three with Reem Palmer. And also going to be talking a little bit of baseball with him as well, because it sounds like he wound up diving in on the San Francisco Giants of the Colorado Rockies game. For those that were looking at the Sunday Night Baseball fade, I wound up taking one of the two teams for the Sunday Night Baseball fade. I faded the LA Dodgers because I was getting a mono number with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Unless if the Diamondbacks played four runs in the ninth inning, anyone listening to a replay are going to know how this turns out, but that's probably not going to be great. 5-1 to one, the Dodgers currently lead, but for the San Francisco Giants, things were looking grim for them, and they plated a trio of runs in the 10th inning, and they came back from down two in the ninth. The Colorado Rockies do what the Colorado Rockies do best, put out there some boopy bullpen pushing, and the Giants, they get it done 10-7. to seven. So anyone that rode the San Francisco Giants tonight should be probably feeling pretty good. And you know what? Let's start with the fact that for the San Francisco Giants, you did have a number on this game for Tuesday, but it was a very late scratch for Carlos Rodon. If you have a pitcher-dependent bet for Carlos Rodon, Plan on that being voided out and plan on trying to refire if you still like this game in the AM because Carlos Rodon not pitching for the Giants on Tuesday. Seems as though there's a bit of a blister on one of his fingers. He has been pushed back to Friday for the San Francisco Giants. This either means A, they're going to call someone up from the minor leagues that is probably not very good or B, it's going to be a bullpen game for a bullpen that ranks in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of ERA. So we get that out of the way right now. So Let's take a look at another team in the NLS since that game is currently kaput as of right now. 9-11, 9-12 on the board. This is a game that we can bet on as of right now because the St. Louis Cardinals, they're on the road. They're facing off against the San Diego Padres and it is Mike Levenger who's going for the pods and for the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright is on the bump and we saw the Padres open up as about a minus 130 favorite towards the afternoon and this thing is cratered. Right now, the San Diego Padres are as high as a minus 120 here at Circa. I'm seeing at DraftKings, the middle number at a minus 115. I'm seeing as low as a minus 110. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, finding them as good as a plus 110 here at Circa, as bad as a minus 105 in the market, and your total is 7.5. And for the San Diego Padres, it has been a really rough run since the trade deadline. Since, I believe it's, I believe it's August 3rd, so... This would be their last 37 games. They're 18 and 19, and guys like Juan Soto and Josh Bell that they picked up at the trade deadline, they've been stinker unis. For Juan Soto, he's been hitting below 225 along Josh Bell since he's gotten to San Diego. It's not been good, and what I find very striking in terms of the San Diego Padres as well is that they just have not been able to hit at home now. It's not necessarily the world's biggest surprise because Petco Park, as about as pitcher-friendly as it gets. Oakland is a little bit more so, but they are neck and neck. Those West Coast ballparks, especially when you get the nighttime heavy wind or the heavy air in the ballpark, that just makes it very difficult in general. But for the San Diego Padres, they average about 4.9 runs per game on the road, 3.8 runs per game at home. It's been pretty putrid. And they do now have Brandon Drury back in the fold, but they're dealing with bullpen ailments as well. Nabel Crisman, one of their most reliable guys, a guy that's able to give you multiple innings. He's currently on the injured list. Robert Suarez has been solved, but Josh Hader, it's been better, I guess. He's got about a 9 ERA since he's come over to the San Diego Padres. 
Talk about a trade that has worked out for absolutely nobody whatsoever. The Milwaukee Brewers have went down the toilet bowl since they've traded him. Josh Hader has went down the toilet bowl since he's went to San Diego. San Diego hasn't been winning games. This is something that should have just been avoided by all teams involved. And Denelson Lamette, who got DFA'd by the Milwaukee Brewers, has not been great for the Colorado Rockies either. So that's not terrific for anyone. But what has been terrific has been Adam Wainwright at the age of 40 actually continuing to sling some good starts. Now, for Adam Wainwright, he pitches differently home to road. He's got an ERA that's about 1.8 points better when he is at home rather than on the road. But overall for the year, Adam Wainwright, 0.7 home runs per nine innings, 2.4 walks per nine. He's logged about 180 innings thus far, so he has been a workhorse for a Cardinals team that backs him up with a bit of a better bullpen. Ryan Elsley, sub-2 ERA. They've been dealing with an injury to Genesis Carbero, but Packy Naughton is able to give you multiple innings. Zach Thompson has been good in this bullpen as well. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, they just completely outgunned them in the lineup as you got Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, a combined 63 to 64 home runs this season. You've got Arenado hitting about a 300 for this bunch. And you've also got with Paul Goldschmidt, a 410 on base, 330 batting average. But you take a look at some of the guys that will be able to rise up. Post All-Star break, obviously Albert Pools comes to mind, getting a home run every about 10 or so at bats in a 300 post All-Star break. I bet you're not thinking too much about Corey Dickerson, though. He's been hitting above a 325 post All-Star break. Brendan Donovan, he's hitting about a 300. He's done a good job of moving the line. And for the San Diego Padres, you've got guys like Awesome Kim, Will Myers, these sort of guys have been able to do a relatively okay job for the bunch. But I do take a look at this San Diego Padres team, and I feel like they should be a little bit of an underdog because Mike Clevenger just hasn't been impressive. He's got an ERA of about a 360 at home, which... Considering it's Petco, that's not necessarily too terrific. He's been getting about seven, seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. When it comes to his home runs per nine rate, that's about one and a half. So leaves something to be desired. And as a result, I do take a look at this total. And I do like it over, even though the Padres have struggled a little bit to hit at home. I do think that Wainwright going to give up a little bit of something. And then with Mike Clevenger and that bullpen, not necessarily impressed. But set the Cardinals as a very, very slight favorite. In a lot of places, you're finding this to be right around a pick game for the St. Louis Cardinals. So I'm willing to side with the Cardinals, especially if you're still able to get one of those small plus money prices that are out there in the market as well. as It feels like money is starting to come in on St. Louis, but willing to ride with St. Louis, and I'm going to be willing to ride with the over as well. With regards to the double dip that we're going to be finding on Tuesday, by the way, you're going to be finding no numbers on Diamondbacks versus Dodgers. Those are probably going to be up in the AM. I would say if you're out there on the East Coast, about... 7, 8 a.m. Eastern, somewhere in that neighborhood. If you're out here on the West Coast, more like 4 to 5 a.m. So those are going to be available a little bit later on. But what I do think is also going to be something to take a look at as well is this Boston versus Cincinnati game. And if I can't finish it up here in hour number one, we're going to do that in hour number two as well. This is 927, 928 on the betting board as the Boston Red Sox, they're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Cincinnati Reds with Nick Lodolo going for the Reds and Brian Bale. He goes for Boston and Boston, a slight favorite. Anywhere between minus 110 to minus 115 and between about minus 105 to plus 105, the number on the Reds with 8.5 being the total. And this is a little bit on the under, but really good young pitchers that you're going to be able to build around for the long term. If you're looking at playoff implications, you're not going to be finding it in this one, but you're able to make some money because it doesn't matter if you're betting on games that involve hotly contested postseason races or if you're betting on Red Sox versus Reds, you're able to make money on these games. And I do think that with 
regards to this game, the money is going to be made a little bit more on the overs. I set this as a pick'em game myself. Being able to get a small price in a lot of spots with the Reds, that does appeal to me as well. And quite frankly, whoever the underdog is was going to be getting my attention because I do think that you've got a pair of guys that are setting themselves up for the future. Brian Bayo, he has a north of 5 ERA, but if you look at the fielding independent, it's a 275. Has had a tough time with command, even dating back to his time in the minor leagues. But a guy that has really good plus stuff has yet to give up a home run in over 40 innings. And then Nick Lodolo, if you've been taking a look at his strikeout props, you've been doing quite well. And home and road splits, very critical with him as well. Sub-3 ERA at home, north of a 5 ERA on the road. has given up a little bit of the deep ball when he has been on the road at home. About 0.6 home runs per 9 innings. But we've also got a pair of bullpens that have not been great this season. Both are in the bottom 10 in the big leagues and the one that has been the worst, Boston Red Sox. Post-All-Star break, north of a 5-4 ERA. Guys like Edward Bazzardo, Matt Barnes, you're able to go down the line of guys that are posting up north of a 5 ERA, which is why I do like this total over. You've got a ballpark in Cincinnati and Great American Ballpark that, well, it is very, very hitter-friendly as well. And with the Red Sox, you still have guys like Rafi Devers who have been able to supply 25 home runs. He, Christian Vasquez, Throw in there as well, someone like Alex Verdugo hitting between a 280 to a 290. So I think that you're going to be, get a higher scoring game there. And that is different from what the pro tip of this hour is going back to football to be able to tie a bow around it because it is, again, just what we got in Monday Night Football that we have to react to in hour number one. But with that said, how about if we look at the Giants? Since the beginning of the 2020 season, they have played just eight overs, 25 unders, and two pushes. That is by far the highest under rate in all of football. Nearly 76% of their games to the over or to the under. No other team more than 70 as we come back with a little baseball here on the Great Peterson Experience next here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Check out the VSIN store for the latest and greatest in sports betting fashion. We have more than 40 shirt designs, including our most popular one, Cash and Tickets is what it's all about. You'll find VEASAN shirts and hats for any occasion. And they're all made to order, so you can find the raid to order, so you can find the raid to order, so you can find the raid to order. So you- Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? 
I gotta change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.